This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a Monday morning. It is time for BOL Daybreak on this Monday, January the 27th, 2020. Hope you had a great weekend. Kind of a chill weekend around Tuscaloosa. I mean, we did have college basketball both Saturday and Sunday. The Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday evening hosting the K-State Wildcats out of the Big 12 as a part of that SEC Big 12 Challenge. You had women's hoops on Sunday afternoon. The Alabama ladies really putting it to the Vanderbilt Commodores at Coleman Coliseum. 98-61 winners Curry's team on Sunday afternoon. You do have some baseball and softball starting to crank up as well. As believe it or not, we're only a couple of weekends away from softball getting things underway. Down in Tallahassee, Florida, taking on the Florida State Seminoles and the North Carolina Tar Heels. The weekend after that, you'll have Alabama baseball cranking things up right here in Tuscaloosa at the Joe as Northeastern comes to town on Valentine's Day weekend to help Brad Bohannon and his club get things going in the 2020 season. But everything, it seemed like, was overshadowed Sunday morning when news began to break, Sunday morning Pacific Coast time anyway, news began to break that Kobe Bryant, the iconic basketball player, 20 years as an L.A. Laker, had passed away in a helicopter crash there in the L.A. area, Tragically, his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, also involved and uh, a, a victim of that crash, along with seven others. And just you talk about a malaise it cast over not only the sports world, but the this country in general throughout the day on Sunday. Uh, and, and that's not the best introduction, I know, to bring Char, uh, Charlie Potter onto the, the program here on BOL Daybreak, Charlie, but... Uh, I mean, it, it, it resonates because from the Alabama perspective, Kobe was just here less than, what, 18 months ago or so? Yeah, he was here um, for the start, or not necessarily the start, but during fall camp prior to the 2018 season. And, uh, you know, he came to town and spoke to the team and, and sat down with Nick Saban. Um, they had about a 15-minute conversation in Saban's office that was uh, recorded by Alabama's um media relations and, and social media guys, and they put it out everywhere they could. And, um, you know, Nick Saban's talked about that a lot, uh, not just in, in that 2018 season, but he sprinkled it in uh, as an example uh, since that occasion. And you could tell that, you know, both men had respect for one another. They're, they're both kind of similar in just their uh, relentless pursuit of perfection and uh, the processes they go through. And I think that's why they admire one another so much but not only with Saban I mean you saw on social media with um, you know football players uh, nearly every player on Alabama's basketball team uh, tweeted out something uh, NATO's put out a statement um, on, on Twitter you know, Nick Saban even released a statement talking about how 
the world lost a truly special person. And uh, it was just – it is one of those moments you and I were talking before we started rec- recording that you will remember where you were. I mean, I wasn't doing anything exciting. I was, you know, sitting at home. Um, I think the Pro Bowl was actually – um, or it wasn't about to start, but just getting ready for that to, to post on our message board about that. I know everyone was excited about that touch football game, but um, just to see the reaction on social media, it was no one could really believe it just because, uh, you know, Kobe, Kobe's been a fixture my entire life in terms yeah. of just uh, the sporting world. He's been an icon and um, at the top of the sport and to see someone go out just kind of, um, you know, it, it's tough to say in in hindsight and, and having learned everything you've learned today, but the way that Kobe Bryant passed away today is just not the way that you would expect him to go. You would think Kobe would live to he was 150 and, and be you know fighting nurses on the hospital bed, but to to see that he passed away today at the age of 41, not only that, but, but to you know die alongside his daughter is it's just really tragic news. And yeah, I mean it, you can tell the weight that it carried not only just with this, the the sporting world reaction. But before we recorded this podcast, I was watching the beginning of the, the Grammys and Alicia Keys is hosting and she started off by mentioning Kobe and they had a, a moment of silence. He's a he's not only an icon in the sporting world, but just in pop culture. And I think with seeing guys like Nick Saban and everyone react, you just kind of see the the weight that it carries and the impact that he had on a lot of people. Yeah, superhero like in some ways. And I think that's why it was as impactful as it was, too. This is a superhero-like figure in Hollywood, and this doesn't happen to our superheroes mm-hmm. in Hollywood, you know. And it, it made it very human uh, at a level that everybody could understand. And to be sure, Kobe Bryant at his core was very much human. He had issues in the past. He had his off-the-court uh, time in the barrel, I guess you could say, uh, 15, 20 years ago. But I think with maturity, you also saw a human side to Kobe most recently from the parent perspective because you saw the interaction between himself and his wife and their kids. I was at the women's final four a couple of years ago in Columbus, Ohio. Kobe, if that's what interested him, he easily could have made that trip by himself. But it wasn't just Kobe. It was the whole Bryant crew at that final four. Um, and, and that you said it, we talked about where were you when you heard, well, that hit home, especially for me today or on Sunday, because I'm at Coleman Coliseum at a women's basketball game with my youngest daughter, you know, and that hits you in the heart as much as anything, because you know, that dynamic that existed between not only just Kobe and Gianna, but I'm sure with, um, you know, his oldest daughter, the, the two younger daughters, uh, and, and you, know, you talk about the tragedy. I mean, it just had a child last summer, um, the youngest daughter there. So, And we certainly don't want to leave out the, the victims that were also involved in that crowd. I mean, just, you had a prominent, uh, well-known college baseball coach from the L.A. area along with his wife and their daughter that passed away. Um, and, and again, nine, uh, nine victims in all there. Uh, that, that lost their lives on Sunday. So uh, we just send our, our thoughts and, and condolences to, to those folks, families, and, and everyone that cared about them. It's just unfathomable. I, I think that's the word I kept going back to. And, um, you know, just crazy in that uh, on, on that same date of January the 26th in 1983, another Bryant passed away. 
Paul Bear Bryant. And then on January the 26th, 2020, we lose another Bryant in Kobe Bryant. Just, uh, yeah, just unfathomable uh, in so many ways. Uh, sticking with basketball uh, on a less important scale, uh, as we alluded to at the top of today's edition of BOL Daybreak, Kansas State visits Alabama on Saturday evening. The Crimson Tide, Charlie, trying to keep that momentum going, going out of conference play. And we sort of discussed this before the podcast, too. You know, there have been some years where you looked at the Big 12 SEC Challenge as a very welcomed break in, say, January, because four or five years ago, the SEC was so bad that you just you needed a break from SEC basketball, just anything, just to see different teams play. Uh, but you noted, too, Alabama's had some nice matchups in this challenge. And so even from that perspective, this this was a little bit of a maybe a letdown. But um, Alabama, I, I, I think it I think it, it fully had its attention to K-State. But uh, hearing from Nate Oates in the postgame following the Crimson Tide's three-point win on Saturday evening, and I know you were there, Charlie. It didn't sound like Nate Oates was entirely pleased with his team. I guess the good news is, though, that was the case after a win for a change. Yeah, and that was really his big message. You could tell him sitting up there. and he's um, I, I like talking to Nate, but he, he's very transparent. And um, I, I don't think he's someone that really hides his emotions very well. And, and you could tell just with his demeanor and body language that he wasn't very happy. Uh, Alabama won the game by three points, and that's their fourth win in a row, and I think he's happy with that. But um, he, he was really frustrated, and, and um, the, the one thing that uh, he kept uh, pointing to was the offensive rebounds, and um, he talked about how Alabama wants to be tougher than the teams that they play. And one of the areas where you can look at, uh, just in the box score, just from a you know tangible aspect and see how hard uh, you guys are playing is rebounding, and Alabama – got owned on the glass. I mean, it was a, a 45 to 33 advantage for K-State. And you look at the offensive glass and it was 22 to three. I mean, Alabama was just, uh, I think he called it disastrous in terms of offensive rebounding. And, you know, that led to, to 15 second chance points uh, for K-State. And they ended up getting up 31 more shots in Alabama. And Alabama still won the game. We've seen this kind of be the trend over these last three games after that went over Auburn where Alabama kind of dominated that one start to finish. But, you know, against Missouri, you know, uh, the Tigers go out and they're perfect from the free throw line. Alabama is still able to win that game. Alabama travels to Vanderbilt and they turn the ball over 25 times. I believe that's a season high, but they still won that game by 14 or 15. I'm sorry. And this one, um, they just get dominated on the offensive glass. And they're still able to to get a win. I think that he can, you know, use these as teaching points. Alabama can learn from them. But they're going to have to put together a more complete game now because you mentioned that this maybe wasn't as exciting as a matchup as, as we've been accustomed to in this uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge. Well, Alabama is going on the road uh, to face a very good LSU team on Wednesday. And if they play the way they did on Saturday, uh, it's going to be bad news. So I think he realizes that. And uh, you know, he was adamant just you know talking about how um, you know, they'll take the win and hopefully learn from it. But they've got to fix some things because if not, it's going to be – it's going to be a big challenge for them down Baton Rouge on Wednesday. Yeah, you said it. 74 shots for Kansas State in the game on Saturday compared to just 43 shots, field goal attempts, for Alabama. Uh, it's tough to survive that, but one way in which you can do it is you shoot 18 more free throws than the other team, and you make 15 more than K-State made in the game. So that certainly 
helped as well, especially when you consider that K-State, in terms of made threes anyway, uh, even had the advantage over an Alabama team that's used to uh, pretty regularly at least being the team leading the way uh, in that department. What about Kyra Lewis Jr. and his performance? Uh, outstanding, and maybe he didn't or maybe he wouldn't say as much publicly, but do you think it was especially sweet for Kyra considering that he played for Bruce Weber last summer, uh, didn't exactly see you know, the, the certainly the kind of minutes he's seeing right now. Um, or, or do you think maybe that was overplayed a little bit? I, I got to think inside, though, somewhere, Kyra Lewis Jr. got a little bit of satisfaction from going from going 26-7 and seven against Weber in K-State. I think he did, and he was actually asked that after the game, and um, you know, his first words were, I guess you could say so. And he, he talked about how um, you know, he tries to approach the game or every game the same way, not get too high, not get too low, things like that. But, you know, with Weber being his coach in the summer uh, in the U19 World Cup, um, he felt like, you know, maybe this one was a little bit more personal. Um, he, he was adamant in saying how much love they have for each other. They embraced and, and shared a moment on the court. And, um, you know, Weber had a lot of good things to say about Kyra after the game. But um, I think you could just tell from the way the student section was reacting. Um, you know, you heard some coward chants, and that was a, a popular term on social media back in the summer when, when Lewis was playing in Greece, just because he wasn't getting the kind of minutes a lot of people thought he should have gotten. But uh, I think it was a little personal, and he had a, he had a hell of a game. Um, you know, he was aggressive late. I think there were three or two or three instances where Alabama um, – was only leading by one and, and Kyra was just um, they couldn't stop him from getting to the point before he wanted to get to and, and he was aggressive and made some crucial shots for Alabama so um, the the big takeaway from me and hearing from Bruce Weber was that their game plan was to slow down both Petty and, and Kyra they were pretty effective in in one of those areas with John Petty uh, got in foul trouble some of that had to do with the technical but um, you know Weber was very adamant about saying that they did a pretty good job on Petty but they just couldn't control Kyra, and he made you know big plays when it counted. So yeah, I think it was a pretty big game for for Kyra. Not only just uh, you continue to see him kind of get comfortable in this offense and be able to be aggressive and make those crucial shots at the end, but I think there was a little bit more behind it, being that you know he's a guy that, that played for Weber this summer and and a guy that averaged I think it was four points a game as the team won the gold medal. I think he wanted to kind of show him what he maybe was missing and not playing him a little bit more. Yeah, and. Again, not the not the perfect game for Alabama, and it seems like we've said that more often than not during this four-game winning streak, uh, but they find a way. Cleaned up the turnovers there in the second half on Saturday. That continued to be a bit of a bugaboo uh, in the first half uh, against K-State, and as, as you pointed out just a moment or two ago, with what awaits this team on Wednesday night down Baton Rouge, uh, I don't think they can get north of 15 turnovers down there, Charlie, unless they just shoot it at a high efficiency rate from three uh, and have a chance to pull off that type of, of road win. No, that they need to they need to put all these things together that they've learned from this uh, three game stretch and and clean up a lot of those mistakes. Turnovers is is at the top of that list. They need to do a better job of rebounding. Um, you know, they need to have a collective effort. I think it'll be big if they can get a guy like Javian Davis back. Uh, he was able to actually play in the game 
against yeah. K-State, but uh, you could tell he wasn't, you know, 100% back after that bone bruise. And, you know, Oates was just, um, I think he was is frustrated, and that's always, you know, pretty good. You're coming off a win. You're, you've won four in a row, and you're going uh, into the place of the team that's playing really well. Uh, you don't want to be, you know, uh, thinking too highly of yourself, and I don't think Alabama's going to be doing that coming off this stretch. So I think these next couple practices are probably going to be pretty tough for them, and, uh, you know, we'll see really what this team is made of going on the road against a team that uh, they should be an underdog heading into their place. Yeah, kind of a what could have been matchup on Wednesday night with Trendon Watford, the Mountain Brook product, uh, mm-hmm. doing his thing as a freshman down there for Will Wade and the LSU Tigers coming off an impressive performance on Saturday in the Tigers win over Texas as a part of that SEC Big 12 challenge that ended all square. Five wins apiece for the two leagues uh, on Saturday. Hey, uh, Charlie, we also know that you spent some time down in Mobile since we last spoke. Uh, You heard from Nick Saban during his public comments uh, down there on Wednesday of last week. Kind of standard operating procedure, I guess, when it comes to uh, being asked about the addition of Freddie Roach to this Alabama coaching staff. Um, and then sort of the the reunion of sorts between himself and the, the Alabama contingent that was there. Raquan Davis, as we know, was a late scratch for the event. But you still had Anthony Jennings, Jared Maiden, Terrell Lewis, and then uh, Jalen Hurts down there. And uh, uh, you were able to capture a pretty cool moment, I'd say, uh, at, at the end of Wednesday's practice. Yeah, um, you always try to linger on the field after practice because you know whenever Saban comes to town, he's he's going to take that annual post-practice group photo with his former players. And the first person over to him was Jalen. And uh, I noticed that before the, the players broke from the huddle with the, the Bengals coaching staff that Saban was talking to Averion Hurts, Jalen's dad. And uh, so I made my way over there. And um, the first person over to, to Saban was, was Jalen. And uh, the two... Uh, shook hands and they were all smiles um, you know they posed for a quick picture, picture just the two of them but you know Saban was very adamant that he wanted him to take a picture with our guys that's what Saban said and uh, he ended up taking the group photo and not before though um, you know Shaylin uh, <laughs> pointed out the the coat that that uh, Nick Saban had that on was he pretty, like that yeah. was pretty dapper man was that camel hair I, I mean that was that was, was big time for Nick he looked like an extra from uh, the Irishman, the way that he was bundled up like that. And uh, the the thing was, uh, Jalen pointed that out, but but Saban showed him the the blue blazer he had underneath it, just kind of flexing on him and showing what Miss Terry had, had done. But it was a it was a cool moment, and yeah, that that video kind of took off. But um, other than that, and you you expected that, you knew that they were going to reunite on the field, and it was about um, what you would expect, and just Saban's annual visit. Um, it was it was pretty much you know I, I pre-wrote some stuff because I knew uh, what he was going to be asked and probably what he would say and I didn't you know I didn't come away with any surprises he wasn't able to to fully uh, announce that that Freddie Roach was the new defensive line coach but you know he made sure to mention that you know whenever you're you're trying to hire someone that was his words that there are some internal things you got to iron out and we've seen Freddie Roach out on the recruiting trail and. Um, uh, he was though um, kind of. I mean, it hasn't been announced by the Giants, but you know, he's he talked about how um, Burton Burns the, the impact that he's had on the program. So so Burton's not going to be in Tuscaloosa anymore. But other than that, I think it's pretty much business as usual down in Mobile. 
yeah, when you add a coach and you haven't necessarily lost an on-the-field coach, there are still some things to be worked out internally, usually, no doubt about it. And and who knows? It, it may be a situation that uh, there there's more moves to come. And uh, as we've seen in the past, Saban and Alabama, they like to uh, sort of handle those things in one shot best they can. Hey, uh, by the way, we also have extensive recruiting coverage for you from over the weekend. Tim Watts, Hank South, you had official visitors uh, in Tuscaloosa, including a grad transfer candidate in North Carolina tight end, Carl Tucker, uh, a commitment in town, and Damian George, the big offensive lineman from Houston, Texas, and another Texan, a potential defensive back addition in Enos Rakestraw. You had recruiting nuggets put up for you on Sunday night. So if you haven't already, there isn't a better time to take advantage of that 60% off annual subscription rate that we've got going on right now at BamaOnline.com. That's right. 60% off an annual subscription right now. Never a better time to do it. BamaOnline.com. Charlie, anything else before we get out of here and uh, get this Monday going in earnest? I don't think so. I mean, the the guys that were in Mobile, um, Jennings and, and Lewis and Maiden, um, for whatever reason, the Senior Bowl didn't put out defensive stats. So I know a lot of people have been asking about how the guys in the Senior Bowl did. And I didn't watch the whole game just because those guys don't play a full 60 minutes. But I think that's kind of odd that they didn't they didn't do that. And then you could probably say the same for the guys that were playing down in Orlando on Sunday in the Pro Bowl because watching that, um, I don't think I saw a single tackle. There was a, a lot of guys just wrapping up and trying to slow down forward progress and uh, – so the guys down there, I know Alabama had seven players playing the game. The guys on the defensive side, I don't know if they had defensive stats either. So a lot of offensive football say that this past yeah. weekend. The media relations side of some of the – now, that's not to say that they aren't uh, mindful of the media and don't do a good job of, of uh, try, trying to help the media, but things like stats and, and stuff sometimes can uh, – can get overlooked a little bit and I'm starting to wonder more and more if these all-star games in general just would rather there not be defenses out there to begin with you know I mean uh, that's that's not really why anybody shows up it doesn't seem like hey Charlie have a great week my man appreciate all your work with us there at BamaOnline.com look forward to the continuing coverage and we'll catch up again soon here on Daybreak all right man always good to catch up that's gonna do it for a Monday edition of BOL Daybreak Travis Ryer for Charlie Potter Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you again on Daybreak on Wednesday.